0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to spend most of the time in Psalms 25, as well as uh, Psalms 19. So it's important to remember when we work through the Psalms that these are a collection of Hebrew songs, uh, Hebrew poetry. And so they're all laid out a little bit different. And if you guys can remember, when you were in high school taking English, every once in a while you would have to uh, write like a Pushkin sonnet, and only like one or two of you know what that is. Uh, or you'd have to write an acrostics and all these different formats. And, and really, that's what the Psalms is, is laid out in as well. And so Psalms 25 is actually an acrostic poem. And so sometimes we, we dig deep to try to find meaning of why David and, and the Holy Spirit uh, laid out this verse behind this verse behind this verse. And to be sure, God is very intentional about how he did it. Uh, But I think we're in danger at times of trying to be too smart for ourselves. And really it's because he had an A and a B and he needed to see next. And so he took um, a principle that is true and he just laid it out and applied it in a way that had a beauty and a song and and poetic uh, creativity to it. And so that's where we pick up in Psalms 25. So if you have your Bibles, would you please open there? And really... I, I believe the main points of Psalms 25 are humility and then with a heart and a posture of humility that the author is looking and asking God to guide him, to teach him, to instruct him. So if you'll take a look at Psalms 25 verse 2 it says this, O oh my God in you I trust. And so in a posture of humility with a declaration that God is good, as we just sang, that he will never let us down, that he's as faithful as anything, and he gives us um, little shadows of heaven like the sun coming up every single day to show us his faithfulness. Because of those things, and because that's our posture, if God is trustworthy and we declare our trust in him, which I'm sure if we took a poll, many of us would say, yeah, at, at a base level, I trust in God. And if that's the case, this psalm pulls out this desire then that we should be asking for God to guide us throughout our every day. That we should be requesting his instruction and his teaching throughout the day to give us opportunity to place our trust in him. And so in in light of that, and we'll discuss today how he goes about doing that, at least in certain ways, would you please uh, just open your hearts and bow your heads and pray with me. Father, um, in perfect wisdom, in an absolute sovereignty and majesty, in pure love, you have blessed us uh, with one just being and creating us in your image with a desire to know us and a desire to be known. You've done that with your word, and so as we open it today, I pray that your spirit would illuminate the meaning of each verse, each word, each principle, that it would make its home in our hearts in a way that changes the way that we live, changes the way uh, that we interact with the world, changes the way that we love each other. We pray for your protection and your guidance in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn again. So about humility, about trust, and about asking and requesting God to guide our path in the everyday. So turn to uh, verse 14 says this the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant another translation instead of friendship it says the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him so in other words if we think through what it means to fear God for those who have a a respect for God for those who honor God as God for those who come underneath the authority of God it says God will impart wisdom to those individuals. In other words, when uh, the end says that he makes known to them his covenant. And so quite a few months ago, we talked about this idea of covenant and how it's God's plan uh, for relating to man and really the partnership that the creator, majestic God, enters into us in a way to build his kingdom. So really, if we place ourselves underneath God, if we come to him with a posture of humility that says teach me because i don't know god says he will open up the secret councils of the way the world works the way his plan for how he wants to interact with mankind if i was a store owner and you walked into my store and, and you said what what deals do you have for me today and i said well we gotta buy one get one free on our jeans and this whole rack of shirts is $12.99. Also, uh, you have the opportunity to be invited into the secret counsels of God. You can figure out, it, not to the fullness, but you can have an idea of what God is up to and how you and your neighbor fit into that plan. What would your response be? Well, I'll certainly sign up for the secret counsels of God. What's it cost me? Humility. Simply request and ask that he would reveal that to you. And when you ask, have intent to obey, the cost is fear of God. All right, sign me up for the secret counsels of God, and I'll probably capitalize on your BOGO gene deal as well, right? So we got to ask ourselves what humility is. What's it, what's it look like for a person to be humble in order to open the floodgates to God's wisdom? I think it believes that you need instruction my wife's boyfriend, Matthew McConaughey, (laughs) describes it this way. He says, humility is a willingness to always learn. And I think he did pretty good even though we're battling for the girl. I'm winning so far, I just hope she never meets him. (laughs) A willingness to learn. And when you look at King David, and remember who this man is, he had tremendous victories in his life. He was uh, tremendous lows in his life, but he was a very, big character. He was a very loud personality. He had tons of respect. Um, He was a man that when he walked into the room, everyone probably knew it. But yet, in the secret councils of his chamber, as many times as he's fallen, his heart posture was continually to learn. His heart posture, as everyone looked up to him, he continually looked to God that said, teach me, guide me, instruct me. And if I'm going to ask for God to teach me, that means that I am declaring that I don't know, that I don't have all the answers. And so really, I believe humility is simply that posture of the heart. And when I am not willing to ask questions, when I'm not in the habit of looking for instruction, it's kind of a declaration that I feel like I have it figured out. I feel like I know enough to decipher right from wrong. So I don't need any input. And scripture says, God doesn't open his counsel. God doesn't reveal his secrets, his guidance to that kind of heart. And so our instruction is simply ask with intent to obey. We have a lot of tourists coming into the hills right now, correct? And if they stop and they ask, uh, they heard about Pactola Lake and they wanna know how to get there, and we say, well, you take 44 up here and you hit 385 and you turn left. If they ask, most of those people have an intent to obey because they want to arrive at a certain destination. And what they said, well, you seem pretty smart, but uh, not completely smart. So, you know, I might take some of your advice, but then I'll just try to figure it out. Like, there's a good chance that they'll get lost. But yet, here I stand declaring that I trust God, but many, many times I go about as a know-it-all tourist thinking that I have most of it figured out so every once in a while I'll ask God and then I'll kind of assess and evaluate if it happens to line up with the destination that I want to go And God says it doesn't work that way son he says if you posture your heart to request it and then to follow 44 to 385 and turn left things of my plans will open up to you you're not going to understand everything but much of life will start to make sense, and the stuff that doesn't, you'll know my heart character so well that it's okay. So humility brings, I believe, a street-level guidance from the Holy Spirit and from His Word to the everyday life. Because really, I think the last things we want to be are Christians, who our Christianity and our faith and our relationship with God doesn't really impact every day. What a sad state to have your heart completely transformed and changed, to be cleansed of every one of your sins, that the Holy Spirit comes up and takes up residence in these vessels, and for that not to change every single breath, for that not to change and influence and move everything that you do in life is a tragedy, and that's not the plans of God. And so really what I see here in the author, in David, in Psalms 25, is a request. Listen to some of the words. Make me know your paths, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Lead me in your truth and teach me. And then a declaration. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. Why? Because I need your mercy. Remember not the sins of my youth or by transgressions and according to your steadfast love, remember me that way. For your goodness and your sake, O Lord, David's asking for cleansing, for forgiveness. Why? Because he knows he's guilty. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs the sinners in the way. He leads the humble into what is right and he teaches the humble his ways. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall be blessed and inherit the land. The secret counsels of the Lord are for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenants. Over and over, instruct me, guide me, pardon me, forgive me, for your name's sake, because you are loving, because your plans are great. How often is this the song of our heart? Not just on Sunday, but throughout each day, in the morning when we rise, in the evening before we lie down, when we go about our days, how often am I saying, God, would you instruct me? God, would you teach me? God, would you guide me? God, thank you for your mercy. David, who wrote this, had I, he had a few big moments in his life, didn't he? One of the biggest was David and Goliath. It's in 1 Samuel 17. And I want to read to you just David's words in that narrative because it's incredibly impressive and I really believe that if you and I fall into habit of experiencing God in the everyday if we posture our hearts to be taught and led by God on a street level that when big moments arise when big opportunities come up we will be in stride to meet those challenges to meet those opportunities with reward, to shake the earth for the kingdom of heaven. And I think this is what happens with David. So we know the story, the Philistine army is camped on one side of the Valley of Elah, and the Israel army is on the other. And everyone's terrified because Goliath, the warrior giant, is taunting the armies of Israel, and everyone's shaking in their boots. And young David comes to the battlefield and he says, what's going on? And listen listen to these words. He says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 26, go on. And it says, Saul had a conversation with David. And then David said in verse 32, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And then, of course, Saul's response is, how are you going to fight him? You're just a boy, and this giant is a warrior and has been a warrior since his youth. And so then David says this as he approaches the Philistine. He says, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and remove your head, and I will give your dead bodies to the, and the hosts of the Philistine to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and the, all the world will know that there is a God in Israel, and that all of this assembly may know that Yahweh, our Lord, saves, not with a sword or a spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. How does a young man, unproven in battle, Speak with that kind of confidence. I'm convinced that David, growing up in the fields, protecting his sheep from beasts, from lion, from bear, experienced the living God in the everyday life. And so when this time comes to be a redeemer and a savior and a hero for his people, it's very natural to turn his eyes and his trust to God and expect him to show up. How many people do you know that had some form of faith, and yet when life got hard, that was shaken to the core and they just walked away? That for some reason, the circumstances of their life changed their view of God. I'm convinced it's because they haven't spent time coming underneath him every single day. And when that happens, God envelops you, and God strengthens you, and God enlightens you. To his power and his truth and his ways. So in many ways, any circumstance and any situation that the earth throws at you, you have an answer for. How does he do this? This is where we pivot to Psalms 19. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 19. So when, when we ask God for guidance, when we ask God for instruction, there's a few different ways that he does this. One, I believe he uses his creation. Two, I think he uses his people. Three, I think it's the Holy Spirit's impressions on our hearts. And four, it's all anchored in his living word in the scriptures. And so Psalm 19 opens declaring, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky proclaim his majesty. So the first few verses talk about the majesty and the grandeur of God as creator. And I think that's almost a, it's always a great place to start when I'm relating to God, is to recognize and declare that He is creator of all things. He sustains all things. He holds all things together, including my life. And so I come underneath Him as the creature, loved by Him, but understanding His great power. And so if I come underneath that, Then he uses his people. Proverbs 12, Proverbs 11, Proverbs 2, Proverbs 3, all start with this idea of seeking counsel, listening to instruction for those who fear God. And the the author of Proverbs continually says, Listen, my son, to my instruction, and you will know the ways of God. And so many of you have already experienced how wonderful of a gift it is to pursue God as community to do what we're doing today to, to open up the Word of God and then to discuss it and to share what He's doing in your heart. Or I need all kinds of people to help show me what some of this means and to connect some dots from one piece of Scripture to the next. So God gives and guides with people. Many times the Holy Spirit gives you an impression, right? This is what uh, 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, God made us competent... For the work that he's called us to do by the Holy Spirit. So, the way that we are ambassadors of Christ is because we know that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And many, many times he just gives that impression on your heart to call somebody, to go offer something, to give a gift, to challenge a friend, to avoid this, to pursue that. And so the Holy Spirit is alive and active in our daily life, and that's why the resurrection of Jesus Christ affects us Christians every single minute of every single day. But all of those things, I think, are dangerous if they are not anchored in the enduring Word of God. Isaiah 48, most of us have heard it. It says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. 2 Peter 1.19 says, We have something more sure. The prophetic word of God. And so as you listen to the impressions of the Holy Spirit, as you listen to your friend or fellow Christian, as you ponder the great creation of God, be sure that it is anchored and surrounded by and backed by the word of God. I believe a person of prayer Who is not a person of the word is a very dangerous person. A person of prayer that is not a person of the word will often be led astray and will often lead others astray. Psalms 19 brings out some incredible ways that the word reveals uh, and enlightens us and teaches us and guides us. Uh, I'm going to start here in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So the psalmist shows us, makes declaration of what the word is, but it also shows us the benefit. And think about if I just offered you A reviving of your soul, making wise the simple. It rejoices your heart, it enlightens your eyes, it lasts forever, it's righteous altogether. We'd sign up for that. All of us desire understanding. All of us want to know the why. All of us want to understand how this happens and how this works so that we can apply ourselves to those situations. And God says, I have a solution, I have a guide, I have a teacher, I have a help. It's found in the scriptures. And if you remember, Jesus says that I am the word. And the reason that the words in this book on these pages are alive is because they're one with the person of Jesus Christ. And so what I was challenged by this week is to consistently ask, to consistently read, to consistently talk and in that posture i really believe god will instruct me god will guide me god will enlighten me hebrews 5:14 says solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil and so we start with psalms 25 that is this declaration that i trust god do you trust god It shows us to come humbly underneath him. He will guide and he will instruct. And Psalms 19 gives us how he does that. By his word, by his creation, by his people, and by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Does your life look like someone who wants to hear from God? Have I postured my day? Have I ordered my day in a position that looks like someone who wants to be led by God. There's three people in the Bible who explicitly got credit for walking humbly with their God. Enoch, Noah, and Levi. And certainly there are others. But as I spent time with this and have a desire for God to interact with me and for me to follow him every day, That idea of walking with God became such a desire and such a goal. That I want to be known as a man who humbly walked with his God. That his Christianity impacted his life in a way that you couldn't watch him live without seeing evidences of Jesus and his grace. So my challenge for myself and my challenge for you is to continue to posture ourselves underneath the teaching of God, continue to ask for instruction. And then like Psalms 19 started, that the heavens declare the majesty of the Lord, Jesus picks up that same theme in Matthew 5. It says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, there's so many things in life that can draw our attention. And I believe that most of life requires our attention, that we are called to pivot from one thought to the next, to make one choice to another, to interpret one situation and to respond to people. But God, my desire is for your presence to be so aware in my heart and in my mind that everything that comes into my life, every decision made, every input that I would run by you, that I would ask what you think of this, that I would request your guidance, and that I would have faith to follow whatever it is you say. The moments that are comfortable and natural, and those things that call me out of that, to sacrificial love or to things that I'm not very good at that we would be a people who walk by faith humbly with our God. God, all of this is in vain if it weren't for your sacrifice and your grace, your forgiveness, your cleansing, and then the indwelling of your spirit, so that we might be a people who live and move and have our being in the power of Jesus Christ, anchored by the surety of your word that will last forever. Amen.